Chapter 48 of Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dread. Chapter 48 Lynch Law. The rays of the afternoon sun were shining through the fringy needles of the pines. The sound of the woodpecker reverberated through the stillness of the forest, answering to thousand woodland notes. Suddenly, along the distant path, a voice is heard singing, and the sound comes strangely on the air through the dreamy stillness. Jesus Christ has lived and died. What is all the world beside? This to know is all I need. This to know is life indeed. Other wisdom seek I none. Teach me this and this alone. Christ for me has lived and died. Christ for me was crucified. And as the last lines fall upon the ear, a figure riding slowly on horseback comes round the bend of the forest path. It is Father Dixon. It was the habit of this good man, much of whose life was spent in solitary journeyings, to use the forest arches for that purpose for which they seemed so well designed, as a great cathedral of prayer and praise. He was riding with the reins loose over the horse's neck and a pocket Bible in his hand. Occasionally he broke out into snatches of song, like the one which we heard him singing a few moments ago. As he rides along now, he seems absorbed in mental prayer. Father Dixon, in truth, has cause to pray. The plainness of speech which he felt bound to use had drawn down upon him opposition and opprobrium and alienated some of his best friends. The support which many had been willing to contribute to his poverty was entirely withdrawn. His wife, in feeble health, was toiling daily beyond her strength, and hunger had looked in at the door. But each day prayer had driven it away. The petition, Give us this day our daily bread, had not yet failed to bring an answer, but there was no bread for tomorrow. Many friendly advisers had told him that if he would relinquish a futile and useless undertaking, he should have enough and to spare. He had been conferred with by the elders in a vacant church in the town of E, who said to him, We enjoy your preaching when you let alone controverted topics, and if you will agree to confine yourself solely to the gospel and say nothing on any of the delicate and exciting subjects of the day, we shall rejoice in your ministrations. They pleaded with him his poverty, and the poor health of his wife, and the necessities of his children, but he answered, Man shall not live by bread alone. God is able to feed me, and he will do it. They went away, saying that he was a fool, that he was crazy. He was not the first whose brethren had said, He is beside himself. As he rode along through the forest pass, he talked of his wants to his master. Thou knowest, he said, how I suffer. Thou knowest how feeble my poor wife is, and how it distresses us both to have our children grow up without education. We cast ourselves on thee. Let us not deny thee. Let us not betray thee. Thou hast not where to lay thy head. Let us not murmur. The discipline is not above his master, nor the servant above his lord. And then he sang, Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow thee naked poor despised forsaken thou my all henceforth shall be 
let the world despise and leave me they have left my saviour too human looks and words deceive me thou art not like them untrue and while thou shalt smile upon me god of wisdom power and might foes may hate and friends disown me show thy face and all is bright and as he sang and prayed that strange joy arose within him like the sweetness of night flowers is born of darkness and tribulation the soul hath in it somewhat of the divine in that it can have joy and endurance beyond the joy of indulgence they mistake who suppose that the highest happiness lies in wishes accomplished in prosperity wealth favor and success there has been a joy in dungeons and on racks passing the joy of harvest a joy strange and solemn mysterious even to its possessor a white stone dropped from that signet ring peace which a dying saviour took from his own bosom and bequeathed to those who endure the cross despising the shame as father dixon rode on he lifted his voice in solemn exultation soul then know thy full salvation rise o'er fear doubt and care joy to find in every station something still to do or bear think what spirit dwells within thee think what father's smiles are thine think that jesus died to win thee child of heaven wilt thou repine at this moment dr cushing in the abundant comforts of his home might have envied father dixon in his desertion and poverty for that peace seldom visited him he struggled wearily along the ways of duty never fulfilling his highest ideal wearied by confusing accusations of conscience and deeming himself happy only because having never lived in any other state he knew not what happiness was like he alternately condemned his brother's rashness and sighed as he thought of his uncompromising spirituality and once or twice he had written him a friendly letter of caution enclosing him a five-dollar bill wishing that he might secede begging that he would be careful and ending with a pious wish that we might all be guided aright which supplication in many cases answers the purpose in a man's inner legislation of laying troublesome propositions on the table meanwhile the shades of evening drew on and father dixon approached the rude church which stood deep in the shadow of the wood in external appearance it had not the pretensions even of a new england barn but still it had echoed prayers and praises from humble sincere worshippers as father dixon rode up to the door he was surprised to find quite a throng of men armed with bludgeons and pistols waiting before it one of these now stepped forward and handing him a letter said here i have a letter for you to read father dixon put it calmly in his pocket i will read it after services said he the man then laid hold of his bridle come out here he said i want to talk to you thank you friend i will talk with you after meeting said he it's time for me to begin service the fact is said a surly wolfish-looking fellow who came behind the first speaker the fact is we we ain't gonna have any of your d blank d abolition meetings here if he can't get it out i can friends said father dixon mildly by what right do you presume to stop me we think said the first man that you are doing harm violating the laws have you any warrant from the civil authorities to stop me no sir said the first speaker but the second one ejecting a large quid of tobacco from his mouth 
took up the explanation in a style and taste peculiarly his own now cock you may as well know first as last that we don't care a cuss for the civil authorities as you call them cause we's going to do what we don please and we don't please have you yowpin abolitionism round here and puttin deviltry in the heads of our niggers now that ours plain talk this speech was chorused by a group of men on the steps who now began to gather round and shout give it to him that's into him make the wolf fly father dixon who was perfectly calm now remarked in the shadow of the wood at no great distance three or four young men mounted on horses who laughed brutally and called out to the speaker give him some more my friends said father dixon i came here to perform a duty at the call of my heavenly master and you have no right to stop me well how will you help yourself old bird supposing we haven't remember my friends that we shall all stand side by side at the judgment seat to give an account for this night's transactions how will you answer for it to god a loud sneering laugh came from the group under the trees and a voice which we recognize as tom gordon's calls out he is coming the solemn dodge on you boys get on your long faces come said the roughest of the speakers this here don't go down with us we don't know nothing about no judgments and as to god we ain't none of us seen him lately we spect he don't travel round these parts the eyes of the lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good said father dixon here one of the mob mewed like a cat another barked like a dog and the spectators under the tree laughed more loudly than ever i say said the first speaker you shan't go to gettin up rat traps and callin em meetins this year preachin the yorn is a cussed cell and we won't stand it no longer we shall have an insurrection among our niggers pretty business gettin up churches where you won't have slaveholders commune i's got niggers myself and i know i's bigger slave than they be and i wish i was shet of them but i ain't going to have no d blank d old parson dictating to me about my affairs and we won't none of the rest of us will we cause them that ain't got any niggers now means to have don't we boys ay ay that we do give it to em was shouted from the party it's our right to have niggers and we will have them if we can get them continued the speaker who gave you the right said father dixon who gave it why the constitution of the united states to be sure man who did you suppose ain't we got the freest government in the world is we going to be shut out of communion cause we holds niggers don't care a cuss for your old communion but it's the principle i's going for now i tell you what old fellow we've got you and you have got to promise right off the reel that you won't say another word on this year's subject friend i shall make no such promise said father dixon in a tone so mild and steadfast that there was a momentary pause you'd better said a man in the crowd if you know what's good for you a voice now spoke from the circle of the young men never cave in boys no fear of us responded the man who had taken the most prominent part in the dialogue hitherto we'll serve it out to him now you see old feller you're treed and may as well come down as the coon said to davy you can't help yourself cause we are ten to one and if you don't promise peaceable we'll make you my friends said father dixon i want you to think what you are doing your good sense must teach you the impropriety of your course 
you know that you are doing wrong you know that it isn't right to trample on all law both human and divine out of professed love to it you must see that your course will lead to perfect anarchy and confusion the time may come when your opinions will be as unpopular as mine well what then why if your course prevails you must be lynched stoned tarred and feathered this is a two-edged sword you are using and some day you may find the edge turned towards you you may be seized just as you are seizing me you know the men that threw daniel into the den got thrown in themselves daniel who shouted one of the company and the young men under the tree laughed insultingly why are you afraid to let me preach this evening said father dixon why can't you hear me and if i say anything false why can't you show me the falsehood of it it seems to me it's a weak cause that can only get along by stopping men's mouths no no we ain't gonna have it said the man who had taken the most active part and now you've got to sign a solemn promise this night that you won't ever open your mouth again about this year subject or we'll make it worse for you i shall never make such a promise you need not think to terrify me into it for i am not afraid you must kill me before you can stop me d blank and you then old man said one of the young men riding up by the side of him i'll tell you what you shall do you shall sign a pledge to leave north carolina in three days and never come back again and take your whole spawn and litter with you or you shall be chastised for your impudence now look out sir for you are speaking to your betters your insolence is intolerable what business have you passing strictures reflecting on the conduct of gentlemen of family think yourself happy that we let you go out of the state without the punishment that your impotence deserves mr gordon i am sorry to hear you speaking in that way said father dixon composedly by right of your family you certainly ought to know how to speak as a gentleman you are holding language to me that you have no right to hold and uttering threats that you have no means of enforcing you'll see if i hadn't yelled the other with an oath here boys he beckoned one or two of the leaders to his side and spoke with them in a low voice one of them seemed inclined to remonstrate no no it's too bad he said but the others said yes it serves him right we'll do it hurrah boys we'll help on the parson home and help him kindle his fire there was a general shout as the whole party striking up a ribald song seized father dixon's horse turned him round and began marching in the direction of his cabin in the woods tom gordon and his companions who rode foremost filled the air with blasphemous and obscene songs which entirely drowned out the voice of father dixon whenever he attempted to make himself heard before they started tom gordon had distributed freely of whiskey among them so that what little manliness there might have been within seemed to be set on fire of hell it was one of those moments that try men's souls father dixon as he was hurried along thought of that other one who was led by an infuriate mob through the streets of jerusalem and he lifted his heart in prayer to the apostle and high priest of his profession the god and jesus when they arrived before his little cabin he made one more effort to arrest their attention my brethren he said none of your brethren stop that cant said tom gordon hear me one word said father dixon my wife is quite feeble i'm sure you wouldn't wish to hurt a sick woman who never did harm to any mortal creature well then said tom gordon facing round him 
if you care so much about your wife you can very easily save her any further trouble just give us the promise we want and we'll go away peacefully and leave you but if you won't as true as there is a god in heaven we'll pull down every stick of timber in your old kennel i'll tell you what old man you've got a master to deal with now i cannot promise not to preach upon this subject well then you must promise to take yourself out of the state you can go among your northern brethren and howl and maul round there but we are not going to have you here i have as much respect for respectable ministers of the gospel as anyone when they confine themselves to the duties of their calling but when they come down to be intriguing in our worldly affairs they must expect to be treated as we treat other folks that do that their black coats shan't protect them we are not going to be priest-ridden are we boys a loud whoop of inflamed and drunken merriment chorused this question just at this moment the door of the cottage was opened and a pale sickly-looking woman came gliding out to the gate my dear she said and her voice was perfectly calm don't yield a hair's breadth on my account i can bear as well as you i'm not afraid i'm ready to die for conscience sake gentlemen she said there is not much in this house of any value except two sick children if it is agreeable to you to pull it down you can do it our goods are hardly worth spoiling but you can spoil them my husband be firm don't yield an inch it is one of the worst curses of slavery that it effaces from the breast all manly feeling with regard to woman everyone remembers the story how the frail and delicate wife of lovejoy placed her weakness as a shield before the chamber door where her husband was secreted and was fought with brutal oaths and abuse by the drunken gang who were determined to pass over her body if necessary to his heart they who were trained to whip women in a servile position of course can have none of the respect which a free man feels for woman as woman they respect the sex when they see it enshrined by fashion wealth and power but they tread it in the dust when in poverty and helplessness it stands in the path of their purposes woman said tom gordon you are a fool you needn't think to come it round us with any of that talk you needn't think we are going to stop on your account for we shan't we know what we are about so does god said the woman fixing her eye on him with one of those sudden looks of power with which a noble sentiment sometimes lights up for a moment the weakest form there was a momentary pause and then tom broke out in oaths and curses i'll tell you what boys he said we'd better bring matters to a point here tie him up to this tree and give him six and thirty he is dreadful fond of the niggers let him fare with them we know how to get a promise out of him the tiger was now fully awake in the crowd wild oaths and cries of give it to him give it to him g blank d d blank n him arose father dixon stood calm and beholding him they saw his face as if it had been that of an angel and they gnashed on him with their teeth a few moments more and he was divested of his outer garments and bound to a tree now will you promise said tom gordon taking out his watch i'll give you five minutes the children now aroused were looking out crying from the door his wife walked out and took her place before him stand out of the way old woman said tom gordon i will not stand out of the way she said throwing her arms round her husband you shall not get to him but over my body ben hyatt take her away said tom gordon 
treat her decently as long as she behaves herself a man forced her away she fell fainting on his shoulder lay her down said tom gordon now sir your five minutes are up what have you got to say i have to say that i shall not comply with your demands very well said tom it's best to be explicit he drew his horse a little back and said to a man who was holding a slave whip behind give it to him the blows descended he uttered no sound the mob meanwhile tauntingly insulted him how do you like it what do you think of it preach us a sermon now can't you come where's your text he's getting stars and stripes now said one i reckon he'll see stars said another stop said tom gordon well my friend he said you see we are in earnest and we shall carry this through to the bitter end you may rely on it you won't get any sympathy you won't get any support there ain't a minister in the state that will stand by you they all have sense enough to let our affairs alone they'd any of them hold a candle here as the good elder did when they thrashed dresser down at nashville come now will you cave in but at this moment the conversation was interrupted by the riding up of four or five gentlemen on horseback the headmost of whom was clayton what's this he exclaimed hurriedly what mr gordon father dixon what what am i to understand by this who the devil cares what you understand it's no business of yours said tom gordon so stand out of my way i shall make it some of my business said clayton turning round to one of his companions mr brown you are a magistrate mr brown a florid puffy-looking old gentleman now rode forward bless my soul but this is shocking mr gordon don't how can you my boys you ought to consider clayton meanwhile had thrown himself off his horse and cut the cords which bound father dixon to the tree the sudden reaction of feeling overcame him he fell fainting are you not ashamed of yourself said clayton indignantly glancing round isn't this pretty business for great strong men like you abusing ministers that you know won't fight and women and children that you know can't do you mean to apply that language to me said tom gordon yes sir i do mean just that said clayton looking at him while he stretched his tall figure to its utmost height sir that remark demands satisfaction you are welcome to all the satisfaction you can get said clayton coolly you shall meet me said tom gordon where you shall answer for that remark i'm not a fighting man said clayton but if i were i should never consent to meet any one but my equals when a man stoops to do the work of a rowdy and a bully he falls out of the sphere of gentlemen as for you said clayton turning to the rest of the company there's more apology for you you have not been brought up to know better take my advice disperse yourselves now or i shall take means to have this outrage brought to justice there is often a magnetic force in the appearance amid an excited mob of a man of commanding presence who seems perfectly calm and decided the mob stood irresolute come tom said kite pulling him by the sleeve we've given him enough at any rate yes yes said mr brown mr gordon i advise you to go home we must all keep the peace you know come boys you've done enough for one night i should hope go home now and let the old man be and there's something to buy you a treat down at skinflint's come do the handsome now tom gordon sullenly rode away with his two associates each side but before he went he said to clayton you shall hear of me again 
one of these days as you please said clayton the party now set themselves about recovering and comforting the frightened family the wife was carried in and laid down on the bed father dixon was soon restored so as to be able to sit up and being generally known and respected by the company received many expressions of sympathy and condolence one of the men was an elder in the church which had desired his ministerial services he thought this a good opportunity of enforcing some of his formerly expressed opinions now father dixon he said this just shows you the truth of what i was telling you this course of yours won't do you see it won't now now if you'd agree not to say anything of these troublesome matters and just confine yourself to the preaching of the gospel you see you wouldn't get into any more trouble and after all it's the gospel that's the root of the matter the gospel will gradually correct all these evils you don't say anything about them you see the state of the community is peculiar they won't bear it we feel the evils of slavery just as much as you do our souls are burdened under it he said complacently wiping his face with his handkerchief but providence doesn't appear to open any door here for us to do anything i think you ought to abide on the patient waiting on the lord who in his own good time will bring light out of darkness and order out of confusion the last phrase being a part of a stereotype exhortation with which the good elder was wont to indulge his brethren in church prayer meetings he delivered it in a sleepy drawl which he reserved for such occasions well said father dixon i must say that i don't see that the preaching of the gospel and the way we have preached it hitherto has done anything to rectify the evil it's a bad sign if our preaching doesn't make a conflict when the apostles came to a place they said these men that turn the world upside down are come hither but said mr brown you must consider our institutions are peculiar our negroes are ignorant and inflammable easily wrought upon and the most frightful consequences may result that's the reason why there is so much sensation when any discussion is begun which relates to them now i was in nashville when the dresser affair took place he hadn't said a word he hadn't opened his mouth even but he was known to be an abolitionist and so they searched his trunks and papers and there they found documents expressing abolition sentiments sure enough well everybody ministers and elders joined in that affair and stood by to see him whipped i thought myself they went too far but this is just where it is people are not reasonable and they won't be reasonable in such cases it's too much to ask of them and so everybody ought to be cautious now i wish for my part that ministers would confine themselves to their appropriate duties christ's kingdom is not of this world and then you don't know tom gordon he is a terrible fellow i never want to come in conflict with him i thought i'd put the best face on it and persuade him away i didn't want to make tom gordon my enemy and i think mr dixon if you must preach these doctrines i think it would be best for you to leave the state of course we don't want to restrict any man's conscience but when any kind of preaching excites brawls and confusion and inflames the public mind it seems to be a duty to give it up yes said cornet the elder we ought to follow the things which make for peace such things whereby one may edify another don't you see gentlemen said mr clayton that 
such a course is surrendering our liberty of free speech into the hands of a mob if tom gordon may dictate what is to be said on one subject he may on another and the rod which has been held over our friend's head to-night may be held over ours independent of the right or wrong of father dixon's principles he ought to maintain his position for the sake of maintaining the right of free opinion in the state why said mr cornett the scripture saith if they persecute you in this city flee ye into another that was said said clayton to a people that lived under despotism and had no rights of liberty given them to maintain but if we give way before mob law we make ourselves slaves of the worst despotism on earth but clayton spoke to men whose ears were stopped by the cotton of slothfulness and love of ease they rose up and said it was time for them to be going clayton expressed his intention of remaining over the night to afford encouragement and assistance to his friends in case of any further emergency End of chapter 48 Lynch Law Cabins in the Woods <coughs> Cabins in 